With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to say thank you to the Iowa Pork Producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa Pork Industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production, and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family-owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. Oh, one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Ruthie today. Enjoy your exile. HN Podcast. Miller and Dace. Let's talk a little Iowa Hawkeyes. And, you know, Steve, we could sit here and talk about another horrific Iowa defensive output uh, against Nebraska. I mean, Jordan Bohannon and Tyler Cook are putting up some pretty good statistics. Bohannon, actually, one of the first, maybe the first Power 5 conference player in the last 20 years, I think, to make five or more three-point shots in the last four or five consecutive road games. So that's kind of a quirky quirky little deal like that. But, you know, they are, they are what they are. Uh, at this point in time, but I, I I think the more interesting thing, as far as Iowa related, is is what took place last week. Scott Dockerman of LandOf10.com um, requested, well, he had a FOIA request. That's an open records request for the University of Iowa for a contract on Fran McCaffrey, and Fran McCaffrey received. A contract extension signed in November. And that contract extension also gives him a pretty hefty buyout. Like if Iowa wanted to fire McCaffrey right now um, without cause, uh, they'd probably owe him, well, they'd owe him $10.2 million, which is insanity. Wow. Really? I mean, uh, we'll, we'll get into more about McCaffrey in a second. Well, we've talked about him quite a bit in, in recent episodes with regards to what I think of him and his job status, etc. But ten point two million dollars was a buyout. I mean, it was a, it was a two year extension, and they upped the buyout. And in the release, you know, Gary Bard is saying that Fran McCaffrey had had multiple opportunities to leave Iowa, and he told Hawk Central uh, Chad Leistico of Hawk Central, I believe, on Monday in an extensive interview. That, you know, he could have, Fran McCaffrey could have left Iowa for more money, but they give him an extension on years, but really just another insane 
bio. I, I don't know where Gary Barda learned his negotiation skills. And I can't sit here and claim to have negotiated any high-level contracts myself. But, you know, prior to the contract that, oh, gosh, the Jimbo Fisher signed at Texas A&M this offseason, which I think guarantees him 45 or $50 million, you know, Kirk Ferentz's two contracts that, that Gary Barta signed were two of the most one-sided in favor of the coach contracts in the history of NCAA athletics. And I'm sure there are basketball coaches that have higher buyouts than McCaffrey, but I'm pretty certain that most of them likely have a national championship or Final Four on their resume, if they do. So that's one thing that we can discuss is just the aspect of the buyout. But the, but the really the, the more interesting and disturbing thing to me, and I know a lot of Iowa flag-waving fans are all up in arms that the media is even questioning this and thinking that the media is only irritated because they didn't know, which is all stupid crap, and keep waving your penance, is we had to find out about this from an open records request for a contract to one of the highest paid employees of the state of Iowa who works for a public institution that he had this level of contract extension. We had to find out about it from an open records request. Got to tell you, Steve, in this day and age and things that we're going to talk about in our Bigger Ten podcast coming up, I, I think it's a little disturbing at, at best amateur in my opinion, it's plain in traffic. Gary Barta didn't need to do this. And, and, and again, to establish a timeline, I guess Barta and McCaffrey agreed to this on a handshake this summer. Then Barta was diagnosed with cancer. And, of course, he's had to focus on fighting that. And I totally get that. And a lot of fans are coming at me saying, well, that's the reason, John, why it wasn't announced. Well, no, it was signed in November. And once it's signed, Gary Barta doesn't have to be there and out in front of you know cameras and all that if he doesn't want to be. Everybody would have understood. But they could have avoided a lot of this blowback and scrutiny if they would have just announced it in November, even if the season was one or two games old. Who cares? Gary Barta, Gary Barta telling Lystico that he's never made such an announcement about a contract extension in the season. You know, when... You know, the guys at Go Iowa Awesome were tweeting on Monday night several instances where that's just not true in volleyball and in basketball, etc. Just dumb plane and traffic moves, Steve, that, that would not have been anything if they would have announced it right when the season began or just before the season. But now when they announce it, when I was having McCaffrey's first ever fallback year, in my opinion, it, it, it blows up in their face and just another PR misstep by the University of Iowa. There are – how do I put this? I am the guest. I mean, this is – I'm. you know, you and I co-host this, but, but I am the guest of your fan base. And um, – In some instances, uninvited. <laughs> ain't that the truth, brother? <laughs> but I, I am the guest. And it's not my show, although sometimes I filibuster and forget that. Um, but it, it's not my show, meaning I might say things or put things in a certain way if if it was Miller and Dace on KXNO or if it was just my old show that I might say here when I'm a guest in somebody else's home. And 
Then there's the factor of a guy fighting a dreaded disease. So with those two things in mind, let me try to say what I'm about to say next as tactfully as I possibly can. Oh, boy. The administration at the University of Iowa how do I put this, has been um, very flexible. I'll go with that. Very flexible and understanding to permit an athletic director to have on his resume the worst basketball hire in the school's modern history is a consistent willingness to negotiate contracts that almost seem like they're written to avoid having to make decisions on purpose preemptively. And a national embarrassment in a court of law involving a minority group and subculture that is just frankly radioactive, particularly on a university campus, to run afoul of. A lot of athletic directors would not survive one or two of those in their jobs. For the University of Iowa to permit all three, and then you throw in Everything you just said, I, I, I cannot recall a school, a major conference school, signing their coach to a contract extension and not wanting to publicize that, like anywhere in America. I, I can't recall that. And I just want to, I want to credit the administration at the University of Iowa for showing a lot of flexibility and, um, a lot of desire to see Gary Barta gain the experience he needs to um, on the job uh, to hopefully get better with experience. Boy, that's the nicest you've ever been. Um, Iowa hired a new president in late 2015. Bruce Harold. He's been on the job basically two years and two months. He replaced Sally Mason, who from a purely, you know, university to sports relationship, I thought she just sucked. Okay? <laughs> just incredibly weak. It, it just l lack of any leadership in that direction of the university. And granted, maybe she was great with the hospital or the chemistry program or the glee club i don't know but as far as athletics are concerned like maybe not hunter rawlings suck but she sucked and she was weak and i think that it was i mean i'm not like going to sit here and say the gypsies are running the palace that gary bart is out there doing crazy stuff i think he's a great fundraiser i think he'd be a great cfo for an athletic department 
don't he, he certainly isn't a gravitas AD along the lines of a Barry Alvarez, which I think is probably something Iowa needs. But that's a topic for a different podcast. I think we actually already did it. But now, but even though Harold's only been there for two years, you mentioned several things that have come to bear under Harold's watch. One of them being the, you know, the Title IX lawsuit or the the discrimination lawsuit and things of that nature that took place this summer, where where Barda and his department showed a clear lack of paper trails or dotting I's and crossing T's as it pertains to insubordination. If you're going to claim that somebody wasn't a good worker or somebody was this and somebody was that, you need to have a whole lot better record keeping than what Iowa did. And it cost them millions of dollars in lawsuit settlements. Bam. Really, maybe a week of discomfort for Gary Barta afterwards. But that's about it. Bruce Harold, really, you know, no... No, we're going to look into this. We're going to review this. We're going to review that. It's just this little fiefdom that seems like there's very little accountability. And I've always said this. Ever since I started covering Iowa, I guess you could say professionally, meaning I got paid to do it in 1999, you have to really be horrible over there to lose your job. Horrible to be fired by the University of Iowa in the athletic department. There are people, I mean, usually you just get shuffled off to a different division if they don't like what you're doing. Rarely do you get fired. And in one instance, I think a guy got let go or left and came back, and dude had some very questionable, a very questionable track record on his resume as it relates to, uh, let's just call it impropriety since I can't remember the specifics of it, but it's the kind of thing you don't want to hire somebody back, but Iowa did. And I don't think that was under Barda's watch. But at any rate, I mean, it's not like Iowa was president-less in reality, you know, literally, for months and months and months and years on end, even though Sally Mason was an empty suit, in my opinion. Bruce Harold has been here. So I just don't get it. I, I, I don't understand. And I'm not sitting here saying that they need to, you know, I'm not calling for a witch hunt on Gary Barda. But this is just an amateur move. None of this would have even, we wouldn't even be discussing this at Why would all. you not be proud to tell your fan base you're retaining their basketball Let me coach? Let me read something to, along those lines. Let me read something to you. Barta in the Lystico story said, I don't recall announcing a contract extension in the, in the middle of a season. Okay? All right. If we're going to get technical, yeah. This is the middle of the season. But per Lystico, McCaffrey's previous extension which was awarded in November of 2014, was announced the same day it was signed by then-President Sally Mason. Kirk Ferentz's contract extension, the latest one, included a Ferentz-Barta press conference the day after it was signed in September 26, uh, September 2016, which I believe was after the first game or maybe after the Iowa State game, but that was after the season began. And Rick Heller recently received the contract extension in December and two days after it was signed by the president, they announced it. So this this doesn't, I'm sorry, it doesn't pass the sniff test. It was a dumb move. I don't know why you did it because the season has only just beginning at that time. So we wouldn't have had this this fallback blowback, this, this, this fallback season type of blowback at that point in time. So, Steve, you've taught me a lot. 
I will admit it. You've taught me about Socrates. One of the things you've taught me that I've passed on to my <laughs> oldest daughter that drives her crazy is Occam's razor. And boy, is that such a valuable tool, really. And that basically, to boil it down, is when, when you examine a problem, you look for what the most simple solution to that problem is, and that's typically the right solution. So when I, when I Occam this one up, the conclusion I come to is somebody somewhere along the way was just concerned about the buyout language because the buyout language in Ferentz's contracts has been the biggest blowback to BARDA. So that's why they just said, you know what, we'll just we'll just sign this, and after the season's over, we'll announce. I, I, that's Steve. Can you come up with something better than that? Because I can't. That's the only thing I can think of that fits in my little Occam box. I I can't. I mean, what was the date? What's the date again? Was it the 17th of November when this was finalized? Uh, I'm going to pull it up here in a second, but that sounds about right. I'll I'll, I'll get the exact date here in a second. All right, because the only other thing I could think of is when. <laughs> Was it at, Iowa lost to Louisiana Lafayette right before Thanksgiving, right? So that was like the 20th, 21st, November, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, if you're telling me that the, November, the, November, the, November 29th. So I think they might have been three and four at that time. So there was, oh, a, okay. there, there was a little bit of blowback. So Occam's box Occam's just got Occam's, a little bit wider. Yeah. Occam's razor uh, says uh, that, that's, that's your answer. I want to say thank you to the Iowa Pork Producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa Pork Industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production, and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family-owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. That's your answer. They're three and four during what is traditionally for most Big Ten teams the softest part of their schedule for the year. Uh, and then you do a, a you do a contract extension, a nine million dollar buyout for a basketball coach. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, we were <laughs> we were talking on this podcast about how Tennessee couldn't land Matt Campbell at Iowa State for a football coach because he had about a nine million dollar buyout for football. Mm-hmm. We thought that's a really impressive buyout. Nine million dollars for a basketball coach. Right now, there's not a basketball coach in the Big Ten. You would have said a month ago, Tom Izzo. You wouldn't right now for reasons we'll get into in the Bigger Ten podcast. There is not a basketball coach in this league worth a nine million dollar buyout, and there might be two. There might be five in all of college basketball worth that. And there's 335 teams. That number is obscene, absolutely outrageous and obscene. I don't buy the other you <laughs> other jobs. Nothing is secret nowadays. Hell, the industry surrounding coaching searches and everything else every off season is so booming. Half, almost half the scoops they put out there are just fake news that coaches put their names out there for leverage. His name hasn't been bandied about at all this entire time. It hasn't come up for any major job in college basketball 
despite the fact he has successfully rebuilt the Iowa basketball program. So I don't buy that storyline either. This strikes me as the team got off to a slow start. Let's do this now. So if if we go two years in a row, because in today's environment, this is a conversation we had last week. In today's environment, if you go two years in a row in a power conference and, and you don't make the tournament, um, half your fan base wants you fired, and the other half wants you fired next year if you don't make it. And um, I, that that is just horrible mismanagement. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm a guest in your home, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm sorry after I say it. Where if it was my house, I wouldn't be sorry. But I'm sorry that I'm saying it in yours. That's horrible mismanagement. That is, that's engineering an outcome. That is self-fulfilling prophecy. This was not a highly in-demand coach who's needed about for multiple other high major jobs. It didn't come up at all. I don't recall it coming up one time the last three years. One time for any high major job that you would consider to be of an upper echelon beyond Iowa. And if it not did, and, it, and if it did, and it didn't come out, Fran McCaffrey's agent is not doing his job. No question about it. No question about it. I mean, we've seen we've seen McCaffrey's counterpart in the football department, his agent, milk this for years. He's the master. successfully. God bless him, Neil Corner. All right. Yeah, his name, McCaffrey's name hasn't come up at all. You. So, so here's what we know, okay? And I'll just let it, you, you, those of you listening, this is your team. So you decide, you draw whatever conclusions you want. Here's what we know. What we know is you have an athletic director that already negotiated the most favorable contract in college football history, and it's actually it's seventy five million guaranteed is what Jimbo Fisher has. So this was the most this was the most one sided contract in college football history until the one Texas A and M just gave Jimbo Fisher. You have an athletic director who caught himself wrapped up in a national embarrassment, losing millions of dollars in settlements in a court of law for offending a highly protected including at the, at the University of Iowa, where a lot of this began years ago under Christine Grant. She was a pioneer uh, in this movement nationally right there at the university. He, had, he ran afoul of a native constituency group and lost millions of dollars in court fees and lawsuit um, uh, 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 fees. Settlements, yeah. Settlements, okay. Then signed, I would say, this is the most – I don't even have to research it. I've got to believe this is the for performance and status of the school, the most outrageous buyout of any major college basketball coach. And then after the team starts three and four, including losing to Louisiana Lafayette in embarrassing fashion, after that start, then secretly gives that same coach this uh, this aforementioned buyout – doesn't publicize it, claims later that he never publicizes in-season extensions for his coaches when we find out there's actually multiple examples of him doing so. So that's not true, including when he did it before with the current basketball coach in his last extension. I'll let your fan base decide. Those are all facts. Those are all facts. So, you know, if you're an Iowa fan and – 
your you, this is your team and you invest your time, talent, and treasure into the black and gold, then it, you know it's up to you to decide what you want to do with those facts. But those facts are not disputable. No, they're not. And I, I'm tr- I was googling college basketball coaching buyouts while we were doing this, and I got to tell you, you can't find them. They're not. I mean, I had I tripped over 15 articles on college football coaches buyouts, and I'm looking for the buyouts here. So uh, Tom Herman entering this last year had the eighth, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth highest buyout at 20 SEC today at 20.4 million dollars. Okay, so Fran McCaffrey's is half of that, but I I would imagine that McCaffrey's buyout. It's probably, I would bet, in the upper half of what uh, Power 5 college football coaches were making. You already mentioned Matt Campbell's. McCaffrey's buyout was higher than Matt Campbell's buyout was before he renegotiated it. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And, and, and again, there, there's going to be some of you that are listening to this that are annoyed by this topic. And, guys, this isn't a big deal. You're just irritated because of me. No, it's just not smart. It's not smart. And Iowa was actually, Steve, they were 4-3, and three, having just lost to Virginia Tech on November the 28th when Iowa came back from that trip and signed the contract on November the 29th. And they'd also lost to a few questionable teams down in the Caymans. So I think you're right. I think Mr. Ockham has spoken once again. I would wager on it, even though that's not going to be what we hear, that that's why they delayed... Um, they were trying to sneak it. And, and, and you know what? It, it, it was going to be just as bad at the end of the season if they would have waited. Well, we signed Agreed. that in November, but we're just announcing it now. Help me to understand how two weeks ago you were trying to talk your fan base off the ledge about firing the coach. And this week, that same fan base you're telling me is upset that the coach, they wanted you to help them fire two weeks ago. They're now upset that the coach they want to get rid of was given a clandestine extension after a a poor start to the season in the cover of darkness. And, and, and they don't want that criticized or, or even, they don't even want that disclosed. I don't, I don't follow that. How do you go from fire the coach to why is it a big deal that they gave a coach we wanted to have fired a clandestine extension they were never going to tell us about with that outrageous buyout? So we, it's almost impossible to get rid of them. How, how did the, how are those things simultaneously true? Because John? because because there are fan bases within the fan bases. It's just, it's no different than what we see act out in Washington D.C. all the time. Everything is fractured. Everything is splintered. There are people that want to burn it down when they wake up in the morning, and that relates to their job, their their so everything. And there are people that wake up, you know, with a little extends and a cup of coffee. All right, that's just the way that it is. <laughs> Go along with extends, Go along Johnson. With the, uh, do you remember when the, we were we were in the middle of doing a radio show when that came on the TV? Yeah, and we just freaking lost it. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, but that's just it. I mean, it, it, okay. it's not the same people. All right, so we're talking two different groups of people. Okay. Well, yeah, at least two, if not, right, I, if I, not I, 206. I'd like to meet uh, no, you the wouldn't. Sybil. No, you wouldn't. 
I'd like to meet the Sybil who was going to assert both of those things at the exact call it yeah, call you know what? Andy, demanding the coach is fired and then tomorrow why are you guys making a big deal that they gave a secret clandestine extension that makes it impossible to get rid of the coach I just wanted yeah. fired yesterday? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to yeah, me. Yeah, you say you want to meet him, and I would suggest you've already met those guys, and those are the two guys wearing your shirts outside the WHO studios years ago. <laughs> nice. All right, that's about it uh, on the Iowa front. Uh, we'll be back to talk more about it next week. Our, our next podcast this week will be our Bigger Ten podcast version where we're going to talk uh, about some pretty heavy things. Um, what's going on at Michigan State University, um, given the fallout of one of the worst, I guess, one of the worst sexual predators slash pedophiles convicted in, in American history. That the worst. I, I think it's safe to say may have been harbored. By people and or elements uh, in East Lansing, Michigan State University, the cult that is a college university and campus. And we're going to talk about a lot of those things. And let me tell you what, one of the reasons why you don't want your athletic department doing things like this under the cover of darkness without complete and total transparency Preach. And, just, and just and just deciding that this time unlike pretty much every other time they've signed a contract and couldn't wait and rush and tripping over themselves to have a press conference when they when they don't announce it you don't want those things to happen because this is how it starts to bake a cake you need a certain set of ingredients if you don't have them then it's not a cake and to have a scandal or a scandalous environment, or environment that I won't say promotes malfeasance, but can aid, abet, turn a blind eye, or whatever to malfeasance, you have to have unilateral decisions like this one. And no, for you flag wavers, I'm not saying that what Gary Barta did is any way, shape, or form to what we're going to talk about at Michigan State. But these are the kinds of ways and breadcrumbs to how those environments begin. And we'll talk about that in our next podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.